Inside 20 is brought to you by Traditional Bow Hunters of Georgia. Head on over to tradbowga.com for more info. Inside 20 is a separate entity from our sponsors. The information shared during each podcast are the beliefs of Inside 20 Associates and the guests participating. Who's ready to do some pig hunting? The TBG Southern Zone Hunt will take place February 17th through the 19th down at Fort Stewart. If you have any questions, please call or text Dindy Cromer at 229-449-6609 or Gene Bramlett at 678-858-7466. We hope you can join us, invite your friends and your family. We'll have a good time and do some camping. If you need to get you a permit or you want some more information, please visit ftstewart.isportsman.net backslash. We look forward to seeing you there. Tonight, we have the honor of sitting down with a guy that has unmatched passion for bow hunting. Many of you likely have seen his success, harvest photos and videos on social media, or even heard him on other podcasts. He holds the record for the largest recorded buck to be harvested with a longbow in the state of Arkansas. We'd like to welcome no other than Jonathan Moreland. Jonathan, we're excited to have you tonight. Uh, first question out the gate. Uh, it's a three-part question, so bear with me. So first, just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, how long you've been hunting traditional, what got you into this type of hunting, and then what do you do full-time professionally in any order? All right. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, I appreciate you having me on, man. And uh, so my name's Jonathan Moreland and uh from southeast arkansas uh live just south of dumas uh hunted my whole life uh, ever since i was a kid my dad dad got me and my brother into hunting and uh started bow hunting uh 14 years old i believe i, I killed my first deer with a compound bow and uh pretty much was a diehard bow hunter after that that first doe i killed i fell in love with it <clears throat> and uh as far as getting on the the traditional wagon i killed uh my first traditional deer in 2010 so i guess i've been at it now for for 12 13 years um that year that 2010 i tagged out here in arkansas on my bucks we're allowed two bucks here in arkansas and uh when I killed those two bucks, I decided that I would, uh, my old man had a, had an old Bob Lee recurve that he used to shoot a lot. And, uh, I decided I was going to get his old bow out of the closet, string it up and see if I could kill a deer with it. And, uh, was fortunate to, to take a couple of does that winter with that bow. And, uh, when I did that, I just, I just totally fell head over heels in love with with the with the recurve and traditional bow hunting and it's just been a been a downhill slide ever since then uh, so you know here we are just still hunting as hard as i can and just trying to trying to you know like we were talking about before we before we started recording you know it's a mental game and just trying to just trying to stay on top of it you know you just got its ups and downs and uh just trying to hang with it that's it it really does and it will uh definitely i think from a mental strength it it only 
it can make you strong if you let it. If you keep keep pressing forward, it'll teach you a lot. Uh, I think woodsmanship oftentimes is learned in places that you would set up that you maybe wouldn't have done before if you had something that you could reach out there a little bit further and get them. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, you know, it's like, like I, I like to tell a lot of guys, the woodsmanship is the most important thing in my opinion, when you're, when you're trying to hunt traditional, because, you know, it's all about trying to get that deer or whatever you're after close. And, you know, first and foremost, I'm a hunter. Um, I know there's a lot of guys that, that really practice a lot with their, with their traditional bows and, and, you know, want to become the best shot they can, they can become, but I'm kind of, I focus more on trying to get as close to the animal and trying to put myself in the, you know, in the, in the best spot I can in order to get whatever I'm after as close as possible to me is what, is what I like to try to do. Yeah. It makes it exciting. Every single sit. That's for sure. When it, when it does unfold and they get inside that, the red zone, it makes it, makes it heart pumping. That's for sure. Now, let me ask you, I'll circle back to this, uh, just out of curiosity, what is it that you do professionally or full-time when you're uh, not so in the woods? Yeah, so I work for a retail ag company. Uh, we sell chemical seed and fertilizer to all the farmers in the area. Okay. So basically, basically March through August, I pretty much don't have a life. It's, <laughs> it's pretty much daylight to dark uh, for us, but uh, it does allow me quite a bit of time off in the in the fall and winter to hunt. So it, it kind of works out, you know, kind of works out pretty good as far as if you like to hunt. It's not too bad. Yes, I've got a, a family friend and he farms row crops out in Mississippi. And that's mm -hmm. the exact schedule that he, he lives. And he is a uh, nonstop yep. and, you know, daylight to dark throughout those yep. months and then he can travel and hunt and do what he wants and uh you know a little piddle stuff here to keep up with equipment and maintenance as he wants you know during the hunting season so it's a great life if you enjoy anything outdoors yeah it's it's, it's pretty nice if you like to hunt now you know it, it gets pretty rough fishing and, and turkey season i like to turkey hunt but it, it kind of that's that's not the that is our busiest time of the year so so don't get to do don't get to spend a lot of time in the in the woods during the springtime for sure. Yeah. Well, one day hopefully you get to retire and maybe that changes, right? <laughs> no doubt. So how often do you shoot your bow during the season and then in the off season? Uh to be totally honest with you, I, I don't shoot near what I ought to shoot. Um I, I really start shooting that couple months before season. Uh, I try to shoot quite a bit, and then during season, I, I'll shoot, you know, maybe a couple times a week. I, I really don't, I really don't shoot as often as what I what I what I ought to. Um, like I say, I'm I'm not a I'm not a big 3D shooter. I've, I've shot a couple tournaments in the spring if I can get some time off, but we're so busy during that time. Um, you know, I just try to a couple days a week. I'll try to try to find 30 minutes or so to shoot a few arrows but I, I really start start uh focusing on it a couple months before season which i'm actually trying this year i'm gonna try to get out of that rut and actually start to you know get a little more consistent with my practicing and stuff during during the summer during the off season it's hard life definitely gets in the way of that 
it's tough. I experienced that personally. I know during the season for me, the days get shorter. And so the time that you do have, you're getting dark early. You know, if you're not in the woods, you're doing something work or family related or something around the house. So it's hard to get that additional time and you're trying to split which, it. Yeah, which that's, you know, I'm definitely not, you know, the world's greatest shot by, by no means. And that, that's really why I really focus on my on my hunting and, and, and woodsmanship to try to get me, you know, I'm looking to get under 10 yards. So that that's the kind of the setups I'm looking for, you know. Right. But you do you do shoot at and shoot a lot of critters. So I was going to ask you this. Talk about just the thought of shooting at live animals when you perceive the opportunity. Say you're after a specific deer and you don't have any kind of, you know, any any type of concern. Hey, if I shoot this, you know, this doe or this pig or whatever, and I got to go retrieve it, especially in the afternoon, I might bump this specific deer that I'm after in that area. You don't you don't worry about that. You just and that's that's the best practice is shooting at something live. So yeah, there's, there's nothing that yeah there's nothing that can can build your confidence, you know, as far as shooting live animals. And I, you know, I, I kind of I kind of go through spells during the hunting season because first and foremost I like shoot and kill deer. I like shoot and kill. I like shoot and kill any any critters if I could shoot them. Um, but but here in Arkansas where I hunt, I'm allowed two bucks and four does. We're allowed six six deer here in Arkansas. And I fortunately I do get quite a bit of time to hunt during the fall. So what I typically try to do is I try to I do like to try to find me a mature deer that I that I want to hunt during the year. And a lot of times Normally in October, I'll I'll usually try to get me a couple of those killed to to fill the freezer, and then as soon as I find me a mature deer that I want to go after, usually I'm, I'll start focusing on him, and I'll I'll solely hunt that deer, um, and try to get him killed uh, before I you know go to shooting anything else, unless I'm going to another area where I'm not going to kind of disturb that area, you know. So it for me it kind of it just depends on what situation i'm in and and kind of like i was telling you earlier uh i think i don't think we we're recording but you know i had a i had a deer that i found in the middle of november he showed up and i as soon as he showed up that you know he was what i wanted he was he was the deer i was going to target and i hunted him uh a little over a month uh never could kill him had a couple opportunities or saw him a couple times just just could never just couldn't ever make it happen. Um, actually, had grown him in one day, had him under 15 steps, and he was, he was facing straight at me. And I thought I was going to get an opportunity to shot any second. And he he come up there and he he stopped and he looked. And he was looking he was looking for the deer. I had grown him up, and he did not see the buck. And he turned around on the dime and walked straight out of my life. Um, never got the shot off on him. And then about three weeks later, uh, my brother actually killed him. So, you know, I kind of spent a full month focused on that deer. And then, uh, you know, and then when he got killed, which was great, my brother killed him. You know, then I kind of shifted gears. I was ready to, you know, I was ready to go into kill mode. So I was basically just hunting for any opportunity at any legal buck or doe, you know, I could, I could get. 
So I, I kind of just, if it makes sense to you, you know, I, I may be in kill mode one day, and then I may be focused on a specific specific deer during during the season. If that makes sense to you? Yeah, it makes hundred percent sense. I I don't know if this works out for you. It it probably doesn't. You've probably got better luck than I do. But when I uh, I tell myself I'm gonna go in here and kill this, you know, specific deer, I'm not gonna shoot anything else. There'll be like thirty does show up. You know, I'm just kidding. But there'll be a crazy <laughs> amount of whatever else. And then yeah, when yeah. I, I switch gears and I'm like, I'm going to kill whatever, I can't get anything in, in range, it seems like, the next couple of hunts. It's crazy, but maybe that's just my luck. And there are times when, you know, I might be after a certain deer and, you know, if I have a doe come in and, and she gives me a perfect broadside shot at seven yards, you know, it's it's just second nature to me. Sometimes I, do, I just cannot pass that, that opportunity up, so I go ahead and take it, you know. So it just depends on what what mood I, i'm in that day i guess when you started first started shooting traditional and when you were early on hadn't killed as many deer critters as you had mm-hmm. at this point and your confidence wasn't where it's at now were you more along the lines just you would just take whatever opportunity you got and, and you weren't yeah, passing deer yeah. up then no doubt about it when i when i first started there were very 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 few deer that i passed up uh, within range and, and to this day I, I don't pass many deer up but it you know our season here in Arkansas we, we start in October and don't end until February so and I spend a lot of time in the woods so you know I've got quite a bit of time so and like I say I'm only allowed six deer so I, I like to try to try to link you know lengthen my season so I just you know I don't go out in October and try to kill six right off the bat you know, so cause just because I like to spend time in the woods. So, but yeah, when I first started, if if, if I had a deer within 15 yards, uh, he or she was in in serious trouble, and and still to this day, you know. Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah, right. You know, right now I've killed, <clears throat> I've only killed uh, three does here in Arkansas this year. So I've got I've got three tags left in my pocket, and these last three weeks, uh, the few days that I've that I've had to hunt in these last few weeks i have you know there's there's if it's a legal animal and it's within range i'm you know i'm slinging and you know just hadn't had had many opportunities these last few weeks just just part of bow hunting sometimes it is hopefully that changes though hopefully it uh maybe get to the point to where you find that primary food source this late in the game and it'll be uh game on right no doubt so what type of stand do you mostly hunt from? And then how often you know, during the season are you moving your stands? So it just depends. Um, I hunt a lot out of, out of a climber, a uh, lot out of a lock-on. It just depends on the situation and and where I'm at. Um, if I'm – I hunt a lot of wide open river bottoms and some of our WMAs and, and most of those places have – decent decent trees you can take a climber in and i know most people you know they like to try to be light and mobile and um i don't have any problem with that but i've i've used an old summit climber ever since i was a teenager and it's second nature to me i can you know it's cumbersome but i can throw that thing on my back and i can roll on and it, it doesn't bother me um, and I, I'll use a climber a lot if I'm a lot, you know, if I can be in an area where, where, where a climber can be used. Um, if not, I'll use, uh, basically 
any kind of little old lock on. This year I used a little old Millennium quite a bit, and I did actually use um, some some Timber Ninja sticks, which were awesome, very very light sticks, and I really loved those. And uh, you know, I just kind of mix it up on depending on the situation. If I you know if I can't get my climber in a tree, then I'll then I'll throw a lock on up. That's good. When you hunt out of a climber, so I. I previously hunted out of a climber a lot. It was the majority of the time I spent was in a climber. Uh, and then and I kind of got on the, the crave that everybody else has been on with a saddle and tried that out. And I've had a few mm-hmm. situations where I was limited on in trees, maybe hunting in pines and, you know, more open woods. Uh, and especially later in the year, it seems like some of the deer around here will just naturally want to look up, right? Because they've seen uh, a lot of other people in the woods uh, the past, you know, three or four months. And so getting behind the tree seems like it it would provide a little bit more cover on those trees that didn't have trees around them so when you're hunting out of a climber are you just going up a slick tree and and just depending on the location you're just picking that based off of you know where you think you're going to have your closest shot are you trying to look for trees a little bit of cover depending on the time of year or trees behind with back cover how does that yeah you know it, it it definitely it just depends on the situation and the time of year and obviously you know when I'm walking through the woods, I'm I'm scouting for sign, and you know if I find a hot spot, hot feed tree or trail or whatever, then obviously I'm looking I'm looking to see if there's a tree close by, and you know best case scenario there's a there's a tree there that you know maybe I can climb, but but if you get you know 15 20 feet, you've got a little cover behind you to break you up. It it all just depends on the situation and where you're at. You know it changes all the time, but but yeah, I definitely want to try to try to find a spot that I have a lot of cover to break me up and there's there often there's times just like now late season it's it's January here in Arkansas and everything is wide open in these river bottoms and you know you don't have any backdrop so unfortunately I have to get high if I'm in my climber I have to get high which makes it harder on my shot angle but you know I've got to get up there a little ways to get out of you know get out of view of the deer so it makes it really tough late season. You know, early season you get quite a bit of cover, and uh, you know it, it's definitely a lot easier to, to get hit early season. And and you know late, you know it, it's it's really tough when it, when you're when you're hunting open woods. It is. It's hard. And those deer, they seem like they get smarter. <clears throat> I don't know what it is. <laughs> they seem like they get smarter. But what's the most memorable hunt that you've ever had? you can recall oh man you had to pick one if you had to pick one just somebody's like you got to pick one hunt and that's it you know if it, to be totally honest with you if, if if i had to pick one hunt it wouldn't even be a bow hunt it would it would be when i killed my first buck when i was a kid uh with my dad you know uh my, my first book <laughs> that 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 would be my most memorable hunt no doubt um so if you want to talk about bow hunt, traditional bow hunt, is that where is that where you're getting? getting no, there? I'd love to hear. I I would love to hear about that hunt with your dad and just if high level details you want to share. So uh, so that hunt, I was I was probably eight years old, I believe, um, and and I was sitting there with my dad on on an old box stand, uh, a little old eight point come out. Now, when I mean little old eight point, I mean the eight point you you can put your ball cap over his head. And I, you know, back in those days, that that was the biggest deer I'd ever seen in my life. You know, at eight years old. And uh, try to make a long story short, 
I had a little old 243, <clears throat> and the deer was facing us probably 40, 50 yards from us. And I, I shot that deer, and he dropped in his tracks. And uh, I just never, never forget how excited my dad was when, when I shot that deer. I mean, you could just tell. I mean, he was just, just fired up. You know, I done got my first buck, and I was excited. And that, that just, you know, but the memory of that just will never leave me. That no doubt. <laughs> that is my most memorable hunt but i shot that deer <clears throat> and he dropped in his tracks and we get out of the stand to go get him and he jumps up and he runs about 60 or 70 yards and he falls back down and my dad said well he said let's go run and get your brother and uncle and i'll get your uncle we'll come back and load him up so we go to get them, and we're gone maybe 30 minutes, go grab them, and then we, we take the Jeep, and we go back to, to get the deer. And while we're driving up on the deer, my uncle yelled, there goes the deer, and a bear had the deer by the throat and was hauling ass with him. Oh, my goodness. And Yeah, and so <clears throat> they jumped out of the Jeep, and run out there and my dad actually shot two or three times in the air to, to try to scare the bear and he just kind of stood there for a second and then finally he just kind of he kind of eased on off and they run up there and, and grabbed the deer and then uh drug him back drug him back to the jeep but that that was my first buck when i was eight years old you could have bet me a million dollars on how i would have thought that was going to play out and I would have never guessed it in a lifetime. That is, that's, that's nuts. Yeah. It's, I'm assuming it was a, a black bear, right? Yeah, big black bear. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Actually, we, we, you know, when we got the deer, we took pictures, and I've got pictures today of, you know, that bear. He basically, within 30 minutes, he started on the ass end, ate a little bit of the ass end out of that deer. And uh, didn't he didn't mess any meat up or anything? But it was you know it was it was a pretty wild story. That so, yeah, that's the craziest story I think I've heard in a in a long time. That's yeah. nuts. Even yeah. with that ending though, for those that are going to listen to this and have young boys or girls that you haven't had the opportunity yet, or you you just don't know if it's worth the time to take them any type of hunting or in the woods or camping. I highly 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 suggest you do so because it's a perfect example that here you got a guy who is has killed deer of a lifetime that most people you know will never even see in their lifetime and that's the most memorable hunt to him so perfect example yeah no doubt about it so another question for you what is in your opinion the most important peaceful equipment that you take in the woods other than your bow and arrow? Oh. It don't matter what you're hunting. No matter what I'm hunting. Okay. Yeah, ground or in a tree. Okay. Well, I would definitely say, you know, if if, I, if I'm deer hunting, which that's 98% of what I do, I, you know, if it's November, December, I'd feel absolutely naked if I do not have my grunt call with me because it is, you know, that's a tool that I, that I use a lot and it works a lot in the right situation. And I feel absolutely naked if I do not have 
uh, my grunt call with me those those couple months out of the year. Um, that's true. It's very it though the grunt calls or any type of calling in in the right situation with the right deer with the right demeanor. I've seen it work. I've seen it play out. Does that mean there's a, a giant that walks up underneath you every time? No, but it does no, work. No, and and I, you know, I I don't do a lot of calling in the blind there's a lot of people that like to call and rattle in the blind i don't do that but what i what when i I hold my grunt call right on my chest in my binocular pack and and i like to see a deer before i grunt at him i do i never i hardly ever grunt in the blind and not saying that that doesn't work but i just i like to read the deer's body language so if i can see him i can tell what kind of mood he's in I can see what he's doing, and I know when I need to call at him. And there's, you know, there's just certain situations when you can hit that grunt. You and if you can, if you can see him, then you know when you need to use it. And I have called in many a many a deer like that. You know, if I can get eyes on him, he's out there 100 yards or whatever. I need him to come in closer. You know, I don't have a whole lot of luck down here in Arkansas calling in the blind, which a lot of guys do, but. I just I don't necessarily like to call in the blind. I like I like to have eyes on them uh, when I'm calling. And and the, another <clears throat> reason is because when you call at them, what they initially want to do is they want to try to circle downwind of you. So I like to try to wait on the position where he is. He's straight up wind of me, and he has to, you know, if he's going to come in, he he might flank me within bow range you know trying to get downwind of me so i really like to have eyes on them before i call at them it's good it's very interesting talk about some of the best health practices that maybe you put into in into your daily routine or your life is there any of those at all that hopefully keep you going until uh, you're an old man and you're retired and so, you can hunt and still do the things you love to do I will say that I, I am a person that I do like to try to stay in shape and I, and I go in cycles. Um, I get really, I get really lazy actually during, during hunting season because I'm, I'm hunting as much as I can. So I, I slack off on my, on my health practices a little bit. Matter of fact, just, just actually started back yesterday, um, getting back, trying to get back fit, but, but I really owe, I guess me trying to live a healthy lifestyle to hunting because just like this season, my, my buddy and I, we actually drew elk tags in Idaho this year. So that is motivation for me, you know, to get my butt in shape come September to give myself an, an advantage on the mountain. So, you know, just sticking with the, with the program, getting some cardio in and, uh, you know, just kind of watching what you eat. It's great. It's true. And I think the one thing that I heard you say that I, is, I have just recently realized is is having some type of a, a goal uh, set like and, and actually like signing up for it. And that is currently is your your elk hunt. I actually went on a, a moose hunt back in October this year. It's been kind of a bucket list hunt for me. And so, of course, I, I kind of did the same thing. I played baseball in college, so not in terrible shape, but just 
you know, things happen, yeah. life happens, became a dad. And so just hadn't been doing everything that I should have been doing right. Um, and so putting as much time as to it as I could leading up to that. And unfortunately, it didn't play out like I'd hoped for and dreamed of it working out the, the hump itself. But it had jump started me into the point to where now I've I've got actually a half marathon, the first one that I'm I'm going to run. Uh, in in a month and so uh it's i mean it's definitely changed my mindset it's changed my energy levels uh it's just it's amazing what having some type of goal and even after this half marathon hopefully i got another hunt lined up because that'll you know play into about that time of year and uh i think just i don't know i think for those that are struggling to you know just stay consistent like having that having something to work towards and and actually signing up for it is super important yeah yeah, and you know, I, in today's hunting industry, you know, the whole light and mobile thing and guys want to, you know, have the lightest equipment, you know, if you could, you know, maybe go to the gym a little more, get a little, get a little healthier shape, you know, man, you know, another 10 pounds on your back, that's, you know, that's nothing, you know, that's true. you know, I mean, it, I think guys kind of think, think, thinking on the wrong track there, you know, just, just get healthy get in shape and you know you, you you don't mind throwing another 20 pounds on your back or whatever and, and and getting back in there where you need to get to hunt yeah either that or you're gonna have to have a bunch of buddies to help you haul that animal out if you do shoot one right <laughs> that's right any true heartbreak hunts whether that's the miss or a foul shot that you can think of that and just rise to the top and maybe just how you got back into it mentally from a traditional standpoint yeah, from a traditional standpoint, a lot of heartbreaks. <laughs> um, Amen. But 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 the biggest one that that definitely sticks out, and that 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 still burns. Um, and I've actually never never shared this with other than a, than a few good buddies that know. Uh, 2020, I went to Iowa. Uh, it took me five years to draw that tag, and. Uh, carried my longbow up there and actually at that time I, I was on cloud nine i had just killed the, the biggest deer i'd ever killed in my life a, a week a few days prior and uh was shooting good shot in the yard that day before i went shot great you know I, my confidence was high um <clears throat> went up there and we were up there for about oh i think it was about five or six days and to make a long story short um i had seen a deer the day before a giant and i made a move on him the next morning i'd hung a stand the next morning and uh the wind was not right for me to hunt that evening so i waited till the next morning to hunt and the wind was perfect so i got in there before daylight well this morning in iowa it was below zero wind chill temperatures which was colder than any temps that i'd ever hunted before Mm. and um that deer followed a doe in that morning he was probably he was probably 25 yards which was a little bit of a poke and when i picked my longbow up off the off the hanger i'll never forget it just it just felt like a chunk of ice and when I went to draw, I just knew, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I never should have attempted the shot. 
Um, but I drew, anchored, and when I released, and at that time I was shooting a glove, I severely plucked the string. And I would have told you I would have missed that deer by a mile at, at the instance the shot went off. I knew it was bad. And that arrow hit <clears throat> hit that deer uh, in the neck. And this is a 300-pound animal. He's probably a 165, 170-inch deer. Um, he runs out there about 150 yards and stops. And I, at, at this time, I, I thought I missed him. And he turns to look at me. He looks back my way, and I can see my arrow sticking out of his neck. And, of course, you can imagine what I feel like, I, you know, oh, my gosh. And I'm watching him through my binoculars, and he's looking He's looking off to the left, and he was actually looking for the doe that he was with. This wow. deer was not he, he was not phased one bit. And he actually, the doe circled around, come back in front of him, and he actually started chasing the doe again with my arrow sticking out of his neck. Golly. It was the wildest thing. And I actually, I captured all this on video. I've never showed anybody, which I, I am in the future. It's just taken me, it's taken me a couple of years to swallow that. Um, but, but that is, that's part of bow hunting. You know, it's, you know, I was in the dumps for a long time. I still am to this day, but it's, it's just that, that mental, you just gotta, you know, you just gotta keep going. You just, you know, I could have easily said, you know, this, I'm done. This, I'm not going to do this anymore, but you know, I love it. And it's, it's a, it's a game of ups and downs. And if you're a traditional bow hunter and you're going to stick with it, you are going to go through some downtimes. And if somebody says that they haven't, they just haven't hunted enough yet because it's going to happen. That's exactly right. And it does. It, it affects oftentimes, if you really love it, it affects a lot of other things in your life too. And it, it, uh, it just kind of trickles it down. It does. Yeah. But yep. that means you're passionate about it. And I think that feeling that way is, is quite normal. Um, but like you said, what I think most people, if they were to say, I'm going to hang it up <clears throat> after that and then look back, you know, 20 years later, I think the only regret they would have is, should I really have hung it up? I think that's my opinion. Yeah. You know, when it, it's the traditional game, when I started traditional bow hunting, uh, a part of it was because the culture of hunting had changed a little. It uh, In my neck of the woods, people, you know, if it wasn't a giant buck, you just, it just, you know, people just didn't think much about it. And, it's the process and the work that goes into it and learning to shoot the traditional bow and building that confidence and then going out and actually scouting and getting that animal within 20 yards to make the shot. To me, there's no better feeling of satisfaction when you get that done, no matter if it's a 
if it's a small buck or giant buck or doe or whatever you know it just and it never gets old to me you know it just it never it never gets old that 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 rush never dies every time i shoot an animal um with my stick bow it's like the first time all over again you know it just never gets old no it doesn't you're right the community is always backing no matter what it is that you shoot no matter the size or the mm-hmm. age they're always backing and if it was something yep. that you you uh you intentionally took the time to say i want to shoot this uh and obviously got to see what that was being that close then you're proud of it everybody else is proud that you were able to accomplish it because it it doesn't uh it doesn't stop when you see it right when you see that animal i mean it's, there's a lot of pieces that got to fall into place for it to all come together yeah. uh even up to the yeah, point it, to where you're tracking deer you know there's multiple times that i you got good blood you feel good about the shot but you don't see the deer hear the deer go down it and you're like i'm not we're not writing this off until we put our hands on them <laughs> yeah you know it's it's funny i you know i, <laughs> I i've got buddies to this day uh, you know i've been trad hunting for a while and and they they they'll come up to me it's like man i, I saw you you posted a picture of your doe on on instagram the other day like why why are you why are you post a doe on there and they don't understand that i'm proud of that deer just b- because of, of what all goes into it but but they don't understand and there's nothing wrong with it because they've never they've never picked up a longbow or a recurve and, and try to go out hunting with it so they don't understand um the the effort and the time and the and the and the mental game that goes into it you know so it's it's just you know it's to each their own that's it and you know it's just to each their own that's all it is that's it and at some point maybe that influences them to want to give it a try and they get to witness that for themselves but like you said you can try to explain it but it's it's near impossible to really put it in words what it takes and and just the the rush of just the accomplishment when you get to take whatever yeah. that is home that you sought out to to harvest. Yep, no doubt. And it's, you know, it's the, it, it, like I said, it's to each their own, you know, if you can get the rush with, with the, with the rifle or compound and, and, you know, you're happy, I'm happy for you. Um, but for me, you know, I, I kind of started losing that, that feeling like a kid again. And then when I, when I picked that recurve up for that first time and killed that first deer, man, it, it was just, you know, I found it. There it is. You know, this this is what I'm gonna do right here. You know, so I love so, it. Yeah, just riding that roller coaster now. That's and, it. Like I That's... say, this this year has been a down year, so <laughs> it's it's just part of it. They is they got to go up at some point, right? At some point, right. it's got to be back up. I'm gonna take this from another podcast, so I apologize for anybody that. Has, has asked this question, but I'm going to ask it because it was very insightful for me. And I think other people that, that hear this is going to, they're going to want to try it. So talk about you go and you take a persimmon and pick it up off the ground and you drop it from a tree stand. Talk about when you started doing that, where'd you learn that and, and the, the time that you put that into place. Okay. So obviously that's going to work early season um you know when i down here where i'm from in, in arkansas we have quite a few persimmons and and the deer and the hogs everything in the woods uh love the persimmon which can be a good thing and a bad thing depending on if i'm after a particular buck and a bear comes in and blows him out or whatever but 
but on a basic hunt, if if I'm hunting a hot persimmon and I'm just you know just just trying to kill any deer that uh that comes in, um, usually if that deer is feeding, say she's she or he's feeding on another tree, forty, fifty, sixty yards, whatever, away from me, when I can take, I always pick four or five up and put it in my pocket if I'm if I'm hunting over persimmon, and I just when that when that deer is out there feeding, and you know she may have her head up or whatever, I just take it and I just drop it, and she'll hear it. And sometimes they'll immediately come over, and sometimes they won't. But they hear it; they know that you know one has dropped over here. I need to come over here and, and check it out. And sure enough, I mean it, it, it's almost failproof every single time. They're going to come check it out, and you know you're going to get a shot. I've killed killed many a deer during that early season. Man, that's it's pretty neat. Did you? Just try that on your own, or do you learn it from somebody else? If you if you want no, to share. No, actually, no. My 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 dad uh, used to do that a lot when he when he bow hunted. He actually he's the one that actually taught me how to do that. Which which I don't you know for most hunters that have hunted a long time down there in the south. I, you know I think there's a lot of guys that you know that that use that, and you can also use it on on acorns as well. But it it definitely works better on persimmons because that that persimmon makes pretty good thud from 20 foot up and they can hear it and you know they know exactly what it is they already know that tree's there so when they hear that drop they're they're coming to to snag it so it works pretty good makes sense it's neat thanks for sharing that so some good advice for somebody getting into traditional bow hunting if you had to give one or two pieces of advice for somebody brand new what would that be? Um, first of all, just stay positive with it and and keep it fun. You know, don't get overwhelmed. There's there's so much information out there that that you can look up online, which is there's good information, there's bad information. But if, if I was going to give a new guy uh, some advice, if he went and grabbed him a bow that he liked, and don't get so tied up in, you know, what exact total air weight you need. Don't get caught up in what exact, exact, um, you know, grain broadhead you need to shoot. Just get out in the yard with some arrows and a bow you like, and and start shooting. And you know, just kind of, kind of, kind of build you, build you some a good form, and and then have fun with it. And then you can get dialed in on you know getting everything exact you know everything tuned in perfect um i think too many people focus on that before they even get in the yard and start shooting to see if you know and and kind of build a little confidence with it that's great i agree 100 percent with all of that it's very important what tactics apply especially when you're targeting mature bucks like picking the right time to go in or what are some things that you consider and look look at when you formulate a plan of attack? Down here, I, I do. I use a lot of cameras, so that that's usually how I find a particular book I want to chase. So I run a lot of cameras early season, all season long, and uh, when I find one, 
basically what I like to do is if the first picture I get of a deer that I want to pursue, wherever he's at, I'm going to, you know, where I get him on camera or a picture of him on that camera, I'm going to take, I'm going to scout that entire half a mile radius around that camera. I'm going to find every feed tree I can find and just try to, try to put a pattern to this deer. And then I like to try to figure out where I think that deer's bedding, um, which down here in the South, it can be anywhere. Um, and then I, you know, I just like to, I like to play the wind. Uh, I'm not a believer in any kind of scent control products on the market. Not a single one. I don't, I don't believe in any of that. So I, I'm a, I like to play the wind and, and just kind of, go in with the wind in my face where I think I am in the good based on where I think that deer is bedding. You know, I just use a lot of common sense. <laughs> That's basically what, what I like to do. And yeah, sometimes you start overthinking it, it seems. That's the only yep. problem when it comes to that. How, how many cameras are you running? So like, say you find one deer and you say, I'm going to, I'm going to target this particular deer. How many cameras will you put out? Just varies on the the size of the you know this area that you're you figure it's in or the property. It it varies because I hunt a lot of properties. Um, we hunt a there's two WMAs down here. I really like to hunt, so I've got all my cameras scattered everywhere. And you know when I find a deer, a lot of times what I do is I'll go to another location where i've got cameras and gather all them up and then bring them back to that one area but usually if i find a deer that i really want to key in on i'm going to have at least i'm gonna have at least eight or nine cameras in in that area you know and i and i will move them around a lot to try to try to put a pattern to a deer and you're waiting Um, until you you either you feel like you've run out of time in a sense of like I've invested this much in into pictures or running cameras. Or are you waiting until that you until that joker daylights or daylights more than once or shows up in an area more than once? Are you when are you waiting to go in for the first time? So I, I'm the type of guy that I'm a firm believer that you know I'm not the guy that's going to sit at home and wait on what I think is the best time to go in. I'm gonna be in the woods. I, I, I'm not going to kill nothing sitting at home on the couch waiting on yeah. the right wind. So I'm going somewhere in that area. I'm not, I may not get right where I want to get, but I'm going to get somewhere in that vicinity of where that deer is hanging out, where I'm hoping I'm not going to bust him by the wind. But, you know, I'm going. I'm not. If I've got a free second to hunt, I'm hunting. I'm not going to sit at home and, and wait on the right wind. Yeah. Um. But like I said, now, you know, common, you know, using common sense, I'm not going to go somewhere where I know the wind is dead wrong. I'll just get, I'll loop around and just, you know, stay, you know, a pretty good ways away from where I think he's at. But at least I'm, at least I'm out there. At least I'm, you know, I'm in the area. And I I know there's a lot of people, I know there's a lot of people that have a lot of success, you know, waiting for that perfect day, but you know, I only get so many days to hunt, so I'm, I'm going to try to make it make it work however I can. How often, say, you go in and you get the, the right wind and you go into the spot that you want to try to 
you know, set up that you feel like he's going to come through, how often is it that first or second hunt that you get an encounter? You know, that, <clears throat> that depends too, uh, you know, over the years there, I've had hunts where I've, I've seen the deer I'm after on, on the first hunt. And then I've had times where I've, you know, I've gone in four or five times, changed spots, you know, it just, oh man, over the years, it's just all over the board. But, but, you know, as a lot of people say, there's a lot of times that, you know, that first time going in, that, that can be the, that can be the best time. I've heard that a lot. I've had it happen like that way as well. It's just, I think it, like you said, it depends. Um, it's yeah. fun when it works out and, that way, especially from a time investment standpoint. And then sometimes there's yeah. a catch 22 where it's, it's over with and it's kind of a heartbreak too, but that's. And in my personal experience over the years, you know, a lot of times my, my, the day I, I get the deer I'm after, it, it's usually, I, I might've been hunting him a month or so, you know, it, it just, it just, it's all over. Um, wow. How much time are you spending during the off season? I know you're busy, right? You, you, you're busy throughout yeah. pretty much every month. that's not hunting season. So you get any time on the, you know, a Saturday that you're going out, how often you feel like you, if you had to add it all up, are you spending trying to scout preseason? During, during the summer, I, I do minimal, minimal scouting during the summer, especially on public land. I do hardly any at all. Um, Basically, I will start scouting late August, and and normally when I and and I don't even consider it scouting. What I'm doing is I'm going out on a lot of feed trees that I've already located in years past, and I'm just going out to see if they've produced. And over the years, you know, I've accumulated a lot of area that I know where a lot of feed trees are, so it takes a lot of time to to go. And I can go early season and see if those trees have produced. And then I know come season, I know areas that I need to be in. So I can kind of X a lot of areas off where I don't have to waste time come in season. But, you know, in season scouting is, is you know, that's, that's, that's the best time to scout for me, you know, because things change as, as the year goes on, you know, the deer, especially down here in the south a lot of times in the summertime you know they're they're utilizing the crop field and stuff early and then you know as as the fall comes and they they harvest the crops and you know the deer change locations and persimmons get to drop and acres get to dropping and things change so you know all you know so if you're going out in the middle of summer scouting well that's basically you, you've wasted time unless you're looking for specific feed trees down here in the south um because you have to change your game come fall. That's it. It's amazing too, certain times of year, how certain areas will produce that same time of year. Um, it may, it may yeah. not be exactly the same, but it is. It's good intel. And, and just writing that stuff down is important. You know, we talked to um we've talked to a few people that, that do that and it's uh it makes a difference, right? Being able to recall exactly what what happens and uh being able to go back and cross reference that. Um yeah, I think it's... and a lot of times uh, I, I really like like February, March uh, when everything, especially February, everything is absolutely just just dead. The woods are absolutely desolate, and you can go through and and down here, you know, I can I can 
tell what species of tree it is just by the bark. So I can go through where I can see a long ways and the leaves are off and I can mark trees, you know, in February that I can come back and check in August to see if they, if they produced. So, you know, that, that's, uh, that's something I do a lot. And even during, even during the few times I get to go out during turkey season, you know, if I'm, if I come across a persimmon that I didn't know was there, you know, I, I always mark it and, you know, I can come back, come back just before fall and check it, see if it's produced. And if it has, and I know, Hey, I need to, I need to come back in here in October, you know, to see if this, these deer hitting this one, you know, it's true. That's good stuff. Last but not least, do you have anybody that you feel like has been in, in the traditional realm, has been a mentor to you or anybody you look up to um, that feels oh, like yeah. that is? Yeah. So first and foremost would be my dad. He, he, you know, he got me into hunting and, uh, you know, I can remember when I was a kid and I, and I used to watch him string his old bow up, man. You know, I just thought he was, he was the coolest person ever. Um, but as I as I got older and I got into traditional hunting and and uh, started watching some of the tr- traditional guys, uh, Mr. Mr. Warren Womack, uh, I've got a lot of respect for Mr. Warren. He's a very very passionate bow hunter, and just got a lot of respect for him uh, to just keep that passion through his whole life. Still to this day, he's out there you know, he's out there hunting and and that's just, that, that's pretty awesome. And there's a couple other guys I like to watch. Um, uh, and I've actually, I actually got to meet Mr. Warren, uh, this summer and shot bows with him. He's, he's an awesome guy, but I really look up to him and there's a couple guys that I watch on YouTube that I really, really enjoy watching, uh, uh, Chris Pikes and uh mr robert carter uh my opinion those three guys those are in my opinion those are some of the best traditional bow hunters out there it's neat yeah it's a small knit community it's it's amazing to hear you say that because we uh, we feel the same way about all three of those guys uh and we had the the pleasure of mr warren coming on doing the podcast with us uh, a few episodes ago even though he said that he had recently told himself and other people that that was going to be the last one he was going to do um, before we even reached out. So just just like you, the, the selflessness with your time and being willing to sit down for an hour and pl- plus to talk about you know, traditional bow hunting, it uh, it just speaks volumes in, as to the type of men that are often found in, in this area of uh, like hobbies, right? And this just this, uh, pursuit and love that uh, we all have for it, um, traditional bow hunting being that. Uh, and just know that we're we're appreciative of the time that you've uh, you've spent with with us today, and just being willing to share uh, the stuff that you've learned and um, all the wisdom that you've used to be successful. And it shows. And anybody that listens to this is going to have the opportunity to to be able to. Um, we'll post on on the description of looking at your Instagram page and seeing all the success photos and information you share on there, and then also your YouTube page as well we'll uh, we'll share that uh, and if they want to see you kill that 186 inch giant in the story which was an amazing story i know there's a lot of podcasts that you've gone through that in great detail but if anybody wants to see that i highly 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 recommend it it's worth the watch um, and along with all the other stuff that you've shared so i just want to say thank you 
Jonathan, for your time. And if it's okay with you, we'd like to close in a quick word of prayer. Yeah, absolutely. Dearly Father, we just come to you today and we just thank you so much for just another great year. Um, we just ask that you just continue to guide us um, now that we're in a, a new calendar year, Lord. And just thank you for uh, the community that traditional bow hunting brings uh, to the forefront in the hunting community and just the the men and women that are part of it. I ask that you just continue to to guide each and every one of us in our lives and our families and our professional lives and just the pursuit in general. I ask that you continue to keep us safe. Um, just allow us to continue to put you at the forefront of whatever it is that we're doing. Um, allow our dreams to you know come true and just continue to be with Jonathan as uh, as he uh, continues to pursue anything in the woods, Lord, or anything else in his personal life. Just continue to guide him in every step of the way and keep himself uh, safe and healthy, Lord. I uh, just thank you so much for this time that we've got to spend together fellowshipping. I ask that you just continue to watch over us and just forgive us for our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I appreciate it, Jonathan. I really do. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll we'll get connect connect again and do this another time and talk about some some more ups in the near future, right? Yeah, man. Hey, man. I appreciate it. Hope you have a good evening. Thanks so much. See you later.